Welcome in to the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Chisholm, and I'm not with Andre Simone, but he's on the phone. How's it going, Andre? Doing great, my young, young, young Padawan. What happened to you calling me unk? Remember when that was? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I tweet so much that I forget most of the things that I say. (laughs) You know... (laughs) That's how I feel about football. I feel like I've said stuff and broken down stuff in film rooms that I've forgotten. Or I've written so much about the draft, I've totally forgotten. You know, like we'll have questions today about, oh, who is your highest graded receiver? It was a toughie to go back in my my mind and remember (laughs) all all that I've put my brain through through the years. So uh, I, I hear you, man. I hear you. Yeah, and I just like constantly tweet. And at some point, my tweets are going to get good enough that people will come up to me and be like, hey, that was a good tweet, and I won't remember it. But at this point, there's really no downside to forgetting my <laughs> tweets because nobody cares anyway. Oh, my. Oh, <laughs> okay. My. Um, how's, uh, how's Manscaped treating you? Excellent. Uh, at least there we are clean, or without stresses, <laughs> You know, life is beyond normal there. It's better than normal. Everything else from the crotch up or down, things are a little bit <laughs> shaky around here. But, but the crotch in particular is enjoying the quarantine. Doing great. Yes, absolutely. And it's yeah. all thanks to, to Manscaped and their amazing uh, Lawnmower 3.0, which, again, even, even to, uh, you know... Uh, What's nicer than idiots? You know, two kind of scatterbrained people like us are able not to cut themselves or harm themselves at a time where maximum limiting visits to the hospital has never been more important. Again, Manscaped (laughs) is making this experience better. So highly suggest it. And uh, yeah. (laughs) And it's it's not even like the actual injuries because those are pretty rare. It's that it's the thinking about the potential for the injury that always gets me. It's stressing right. out, thinking, oh, God, I really hope that today isn't the day that something bad happens. But but yep. no, you don't even have yep. to worry about it with this lawnmower. It's just so perfect. It's, it's, it's yep. scatterbrained proof, I think is That's what you call That's exactly this. right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so definitely be checking them out. Use the code DNVR20. Get 20% off, and that'll get you free shipping. Get yourself a lawnmower. Um, not like a real lawnmower. A lawnmower for your body hair. Um, yep. And also the ball deodorant or the post whatever is it called shaving i think it's just still called shaving trimming post post trim balm i don't know whatever check it all out it's good stuff i forget yeah (laughs) you get a nice bag with it their boxers they gave us Mm -hmm. were super comfortable so wearing them right now it's all good stuff man that's all great stuff Yeah. yeah i think they thought that i was bigger than i was so I got a size that's okay. like a, a, a little bit too big, uh, and and I, in some in some regards it's the right size, but in terms of me, it just uh, I'm not. I don't know. I almost said as a man, but again, that could go either way. But in terms of yeah. me as just like <laughs> oh boy. I'm five foot nine and 160 pounds, don't need a large. That's what I'll say. 
but nice. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, for for the quarantine, it's kind of perfect just to have a little bit of extra space down there. Um, yeah. Want to talk about football? They truly, they truly fit my literal fat ass perfectly. So I'll just say that. Um, yeah, dude. Let's let's get into some draft. <laughs> we have so much we want to talk about today. Um, we yeah. spent a lot of time talking about the first round or two rounds um, of the draft. Today we're going to skip those um, and jump into the third and fourth round and talk about guys we like there. Talk about how the Broncos could handle these first two rounds to set them up to take advantage of the prospects that should be available with all of those right. picks they have in the third and fourth rounds. Um, and then we'll be back hopefully this weekend, I think, um, to go through rounds five, six, seven and kind of do the same thing um, because we're getting really close to the draft. But before we go and do all that and before we get to all your questions, which we're really excited about, there are some good ones in there. Um, we want to talk about a couple of the mock drafts that have come out since we last spoke um let's start with todd mcshay because that's one that i am in love with yeah dude lay it on us all right um again we kind of have to fly quickly through um but let's read the picks up to the broncos just so we're all on the same page with the draft board uh Bengals take burrow redskins take chase young lions take okuda giants take isaiah simmons dolphins take tua uh chargers take jordan love if i'm them i'm taking mm. herbert uh Seven, Panthers take Derek Brown. Eight, Cardinals take Tristan Wirfs. Jags actually take Justin Herbert at nine. Ten is the Browns taking mm. Jedrick Wills. Eleven, first receiver, the Jets take Jerry Judy, my guy. Um, Twelve, the Raiders take C.D. Lamb, the receiver from uh-huh. Oklahoma. Thirteen, 49ers take Henry Ruggs. This is kind of how we've been saying this is going to play out, too. Those three picks, those are the right. three receivers. They're going to be gone there. Um, and then 14, the third tackle taken, uh, the Bucks take Mackay Becton. And that means at 15, the Broncos are not in the worst case scenario because in the worst case scenario, Andrew Thomas, who uh, Todd McShay has the Broncos drafting, would not be on the board, um, but pretty close to that worst case scenario. Yeah, I mean, I think between Ruggs, Thomas, even Kinlaw, we're more or less, you know, it's not the best case scenario, but it's certainly not the worst case scenario either. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Thomas has lost some shine for some people. Um, I really think he's just super solid. He's got that elite length. I, I think people don't talk enough in the media about how well his agility testing was. Um, it was right around what Tristan Wirfs was doing, which is just insane. And his only issue is fixing up some balance things um you know not not leaning too far forward not you know over overextending himself so then he's not able to recover just trust his length and trust his feet maybe that kick step isn't always the smoothest but that can be worked on as well um so you know i think i think there's a lot to like about thomas definitely a high-end tackle. Um, He's 12th on my board, so it'd be decent value pick as well. Um, And yeah, they miss out on the receivers, but to get one of those top tackles, a plug-and-play starter um, is pretty nice. Yep, yep. And, you know, I say it's almost worst-case scenario because you're kind of forced to do something. You don't get to make much of a decision, but Andrew Thomas, if we had said the Broncos are getting him at 15 a few months ago, 
would have sounded pretty great. Um, oh, yeah. Also, a couple of interesting notes before we get out first round. Uh, 19, the Raiders take Antoine Winfield Jr. That's a crazy mm-hmm. rise inside the top 20 now. Uh, the Jags yep. taking Brandon Ayuk at 20. Um, we haven't had a chance to talk much about these linebackers. Um but the first one goes yeah. off the board at 21 to the Eagles with Patrick Queen. I think that uh, I think it was you who made this point probably like like a month ago, two months ago. But linebacker is kind of one of those dark horse positions for the Broncos because we just don't even know what their values are for that position. Um, right. We haven't seen John Elway take a linebacker um, before the third round, before the fourth round. Since he's taken over, um, yeah. With Vic Fangio, the way his defenses work, you could see how he would want a linebacker. Despite you know, in these Elway teams, it's always been kind of the weak point of that defense. Um, you have Alexander Johnson, you have Todd Davis. Is that good enough, or do you want to get an upgrade at what's probably your weakest position at this point, um, defensively at least? Um, so. Mm-hmm. I, do you think that a linebacker could be in play at 15? That's the thing. It's hard to say because so much of this really depends on who's going to meet Vic Fangio's incredibly high standards. A guy who's, uh, you know, as Mace mentioned with his time at the Carolina Panthers, probably coached the greatest linebacking um, group in NFL history just recently with the 49ers on those Harbaugh teams had an outstanding group of linebackers led by Patrick Willis. Um, and that's Navarro really Bowen. what his right. Right. And then on the outside guys like Alden Smith. Um, yeah, that's really what his defenses have been built around. That's what allows the cornerbacks to not have to be high end, highly paid, uh, you know, man corners on the outside is that he's got those linebackers who have a lot of range and take away the middle of the field, which then gives the pass rush more time because you're taking away um, those quick timing throws over the middle. um, And it just stresses an offense so much, especially if you can get after the quarterback, that becomes a really, really tough teams to beat. And that's where having cornerbacks who do and safeties with good ball skills and high IQs, is really important because then they can pounce when the moment is right. And you've really kind of, you know, like a boa constrictor, you're slowly but surely squeezing out your enemy to where they're forced to make throws that are out of their nature, deep throws and what have you, or force and get into mistakes. Um, But so far, yeah, we haven't seen that from Fanjo. um, and we've, we've followed in line with what Elway's done. There haven't been any big free agent signings, um, and there haven't been any real draft capital spent on um, on these guys. And, you know, famously last year, Fangio was saying neither of the Devons, Devin White or Devin Bush, who both went in the top 10, and I was very high on, and seemed like perfect mm-hmm. modern linebackers because they both ran four fours. Fangio was saying, you know, Neither of those guys are at the level of Roquan Smith, who his Bears drafted in the in the top ten the year prior. Um, so it's really, you know, what is he looking for? Because to me, the Devons were both better than Roquan Smith. Um, and it's not just about coverage ability. It's not just about athleticism. There, there's more to it. Um, 
and you know, he's, he's the linebacking guru. So it's really going to be his call at the end of the day. And it's going to have to be someone who meets those incredibly high standards. And if the Devons didn't last year, I would assume both Murray and queen don't this year, but okay. You know, then again, queen looks more like Roquan Smith than either of the Devons. Maybe that's a guy that intrigues, Fanjo for his upside. Kenneth Murray is an ass kicker coming downhill. Um, I really think he's similar to what people thought Ruben Foster would be. And he ran a four five two. There's a lot of untapped potential in coverage. Both are very interesting, but yeah, it's a real unknown with the Broncos with, uh, with Fanjo being, uh, you know, so unique. All right. That's good stuff. And I think it's important that we touch on that because I mean, we've spent so much time talking about tackles linemen or yeah tackles linemen and Javon Kinlaw we haven't really touched on the potential for them to take a linebacker there um right. a couple more notes in the first round T Higgins going 30th to the Packers I like him um DeAndre yeah. Swift going yeah. to the Chiefs not too big of a surprise um oh man that'd but be then scary. we get that would be really scary um yeah then we get to 46 with the Broncos uh in the second round in this two-round mock the Broncos take LaVisca Chenault I love the pick. I think that's great value there with the upside. What do you think, Dre? I mean, talk about a draft that you would have been excited about two months ago. Um, two yeah, months ago, yeah. had I told you we could get Thomas and Visco without moving a single pick. I mean, talk about a dream scenario. At that point, you know, it'll be interesting. Um, obviously, the the Broncos do have some connections to the Buffs um, mm-hmm. that few other with the, just the proximity and the fact that you know basically the second decision maker in that front office in Matt Russell um, is very connected and an alumni and the fact that you know yeah the proximity as I mentioned uh, yep and it I think just gives I think the, that, that... Yeah, oh, go ahead. Go. I think I think that this year in particular, that's really important um, because mm-hmm. you you don't get a chance to yes. bring everybody into your facilities and spend time with them. Yes. Uh, you can still do the Zoom calls, but you get a lot more out of hey, come walk around this building, come check out the weights. What do you notice about this weight room? What are the first three things you say when you see our weight room? You know what what happens when we go out in the practice field and you just like look around? Are you in awe? Are you what? And right. you get all these reads. And when you come in with an hour to sit and look at somebody's face through a computer, it is not the same thing. And you know I've seen people on Twitter talking about the dumb questions like, I don't know. They say, well, why does it matter what? his favorite kind of ice cream is. Why do you need to spend all the time? They ask all those dumb questions. Well, it's just seeing how people react to those situations. Like it's seeing how somebody thinks and processes information, all that kind of stuff. So that is really important. But like you said, with Matt Russell's connections, you know, he was an all American for the buffs. He was sitting courtside with LA at a basketball game. I think the USC game they were sitting there. It's the same game that Phil Lindsay was up there with Fangio for. So he's around everywhere. Um, his nephew, Brady Russell, is the tight end for the Buffs. And he was hanging out with Elway and them. So so they are a part of that community. He's he's probably met Visca a dozen times. He's probably talked sure. to him um, a whole bunch. He knows the guy. And there aren't a lot of guys you know. You know, maybe they would like take. I mean, who's still on the board here in this mock draft? Jalen Rager goes four picks later. Maybe it's kind of a toss-up between those two. But because he knows Visca better, I mean... 
that's the guy he likes. It could also be that he doesn't like Visca, and he knows that because he spent right. the time with him. But I well, do think that Visca to the Broncos is much more in play because of the way this draft process has been tweaked. Right, and they'll have better insights, presumably, on the medicals, right? Which is the yeah. other big thing, is in this process, without being able to get them in your building and have your doctors check them out, yeah, I mean, where are we at? And it's also going to be it, what they found out at the combine is going to weigh heavier in his evaluation than for anyone else. Um, so, yeah, this guy's going to be, uh, you know, he's a complete toss up, as we've said for a while, because especially with how things are set up now, um, there's a lot of uncertainty on the on the injury side and obviously for Visca that's uh that's not a great position to be in in this draft in particular and for the Broncos though they might not be taking as much risk because they they do have a bit more of an inside look on uh the Colorado town I would love it yeah. if it happened because it means they've given us full endorsement and like let's ride this is going to be dope Exactly. Um, I I th- I think that that's exactly it. Because if the Broncos, again, they they know Visca, so they're signing off on Visca. They see the medicals, and you know all these other teams, they're bringing Visca into their doctors. I mean, they're not because they can't do it. But in theory, they would be right now bringing Visca into the doctors and checking on what he's like now. Matt Russell's so yep. connected. Throughout this season, I bet once a week he was talking to somebody with the buffs, whether it was Rick George, the athletic director, whether it was somebody on the coaching staff, whether it was a trainer, somebody saying, what's up with Visca and whatever was going on that week, whether it was the Oregon game where he had the flu, you know, somebody said, oh, he has the flu. That's what's bothering him. Or maybe it was something right. more serious. So, so they have this full timeline of everything, or at least more full than you'd expect other teams to have. Um, so if the Broncos do decide to take Visca, again, like you said, that probably means that a lot of things that we have questions about, about um, those those boxes have kind of been checked off because they have Matt Russell. Right. Right. Yep. Yep, totally. Totally. And um, the other thing is, Visca is such an intriguing fit with who they've added already. Um, you know, coming in with Shermer, you thought, okay, they need a little more speed. They need better route runners. And yet what they're really building, they've added a second tight end. They've added a physical back who can also be a real factor on outside runs. Actually, he's out of steps on outside runs. You already have a big athletic tight end and a big wide receiver that the offense is built around. You've added a quarterback who could be a little Taysom Hill-esque. Check out that film room I wrote on Jeff Driscoll. And then you add a yak weapon like Visca, who's so versatile in how you can use him um, and just like an all-around playmaker. That The identity that would be built around that on top of adding Glasgow and Andrew Thomas to your line would really – give the Broncos a completely different feel on identity on, on offense and the type of identity they've been lacking since like Peyton Manning, where you can really lean into what you've got talent wise and go out there and just kind of try to like out size and athleticism, everybody. That'd be fun. Yeah. It'd be a lot of fun. Um, you know, I've, I've been spending a lot of time uh, watching these receivers um, and, and Visca 
reminds me a lot of like Chase Claypool, Brian Edwards, um, in particular mm-hmm. because of the way all those guys plays. They can be weapons after the catch. They're so big. They can box out. But the difference in watching all those guys is that Visca also gets himself open in the middle of the field. You know, whenever you call an in-breaking route, it's basically just a catch on the way because there's no way for anybody right. to out-leverage him. Um, and and that's kind of what's keeping him up in this tier. For me, even with um, the, the questions about his health, is that you just know that he can produce in theory right away you know you can use him as that weapon you can have him run the drag routes you can have him run the jet sweeps or put him at the wildcat quarterback and there are some questions there too you know at at the college level if you put him at wildcat quarterback on third and one third and two fourth and two you knew he was picking it up he was going to pick it up every time at the nfl level does he still pick it up every time or is it a 70% of the time, 80% of the time? Mm-hmm. And so you have those little question marks, but you know that it's going to be good enough that you use them there. You also see yeah. the, the the quickness and the ability to get open in the more standard receiver ways um, that may that those may come immediately. He could be a weapon in the slot or it could be that mm-hmm. in the 2021 season he takes that step. But that's kind of the difference to me between him and some other guys in that type is that upside as a pure receiver, a slot receiver in my mind is where he fits best down the road um, long term. Yeah, and I mean... I think he's also got better first step like that, that we've talked about his ability mm-hmm. to attack press with that immediate burst and yep. acceleration makes him so special. I think that separates him from those kind of guys. And I think his yak ability, while those other guys are really good, um, this is just at another level, as we said before the combine. And this still remains true in my mind. He's one of the highest upside players in this entire draft. Um, so you're taking a risk, but you're taking a real roll of the dice. And if you hit, boy, are you hitting big because sky's the limit for Visca, you know? Yeah. I mean, when you talk about talent, I mean, you think back to what his sophomore year, um, in 2018, when he essentially averaged about 160 yards from scrimmage in games where he was healthy. And over a touchdown, yeah. like like he was just unstoppable, and and that upside hasn't changed. What's changed has been the odds of him actually reaching that upside. Um, just to close this conversation out, how do you feel about taking Visca at pick forty six? I think that's great value. Um, it's a lot less risky than having a trade back up for him or just pulling the trigger at fifteen. I think you know, um, but then. Teams won't be comfortable drafting him before the 20s. Um, and in that 30 to 50 range is more realistically where he'll go, uh, where the value kind of matches up, you know, the risk with the reward lines up. Um, so, yeah, it seems like a perfect spot to, to pull the trigger. All right. Um, I think that's going to do it for this mock draft. Um, might as well say Jalen Rager, the receiver, went 50. Um, Chase Claypool went 54. Um, mm-hmm. Tyler Biotish goes 59. Isaiah Wilson, the tackle from Georgia, goes 61. Um, yeah. Jason Strobridge goes 64. Just a couple of names of guys who we've been following. 
Um, Noah Igbenagene, the corner from Auburn, goes 63. Um, let's jump into the Peter Schrager mock draft now. Um, and we're going to go real quick yeah. to this one. Um, let's not even talk about the lead up other than to say that uh, Jerry Judy and uh, CD Lamb are off the board. Henry Ruggs is still available at pick number 15. All four yeah. tackles are gone. And yep. Peter Schrager of NFL.com has the Broncos going with Kenneth Murray. You know, and we probably should have saved that yeah. conversation from earlier for right now, but you kind of, we kind of shared our thoughts there. Um, but right. if it were you, would you take Kenneth Murray or Henry Ruggs here? No, I'd take Ruggs. Um, just need Me too. upside. Um, it, Ruggs is just the pick. But yeah, talk about a nightmare scenario. The, the real nightmare scenario is one of the top 11 guys still being around and then <laughs> pulling the trigger on someone else. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, exactly. know, that's the real nightmare scenario. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you almost um, wonder, would you be better off going corner? Like from a position value standpoint, uh, to some extent, corner might make more sense, but there's just not a corner I like very much at this point. Um, I, I do have Murray ranked higher than any of the second cornerbacks. So in that sense, I don't I don't fault this pick. Um, but yeah, man, just boy, that'd be a letdown. All right, a um, couple more notes from this one. Pick 22, Austin Jackson, the tackle. That's pretty early. Mm-hmm. Uh, 23, Jeremy Chin, the safety. Um, I think that that's going to pretty much do it. Yeah, Chin um, is rising up. We'll be talking about him more, more and more. Yeah, yep. I'm excited. I get to dig into that tape here soon. Um, going to Bleacher Report with Matt Miller. Um he has the Broncos at 15 taking uh, C.D. Lamb, which I think is are we are we calling that best case scenario now? Well, some would call Judy best case scenario. Some would call yeah. one of the offensive tackles best case scenario. To me, C.D. Lamb is basically best case scenario, especially as far as the offensive playmakers go, which I would really like to see them prioritize the offense. Yep. Yep. Me too. Me too. I, I like the pick. Um, moving along in the second round, um, the Broncos are taking Christian Fulton, the cornerback from LSU. I mean, that's that's good value. I know it's a guy that we've always been kind of low on, um, but 46, you like the pick? Yeah, I mean, that's where the value matches up. I'm not sure it's a great fit just because we know that uh, not tackling as a cornerback is non-negotiable for a Fandro. Um, so I, I wonder if the Broncos would be so inclined, but man, that'd be nice value. Um, and that's a guy who put in the right hands, developed the right way. Uh, he really looked like a stud a year ago. And then, you know, had some of the tackling and to some extent effort issues um, this past season where they, they played a loaded schedule. So you, you're kind of gambling on upside, and it seems like a reasonable gamble as far as draft gambles go, where really, let's be honest, everything's a gamble to some extent. Yep. Uh, and so that was pick number 46. Lucas Yang, the tackle who we both kind of like, is still on the board. So is Isaiah Wilson from Georgia. Um Prince Tegawanagu is still there. Uh, might be a little bit early for him, but but 
they had options to go tackle. Would you have just taken one of the tackles here? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I would have. Um, I guess that Fulton's probably the better value. Um, but man, not by much. And actually on my board, he wouldn't be ranked higher than, um, guys like Niang or even Ezra Cleveland, whose upside is really, really enticing at a premium position. So no, that's what I would have prioritized there. All right. Moving to the third round. Um, worth noting, uh, a couple receivers go off the board here. 66, Brandon Ayuk, um, 70, Michael Pittman, 73, uh-huh. LaVisca Chenault. Um, and then the Broncos oh. at 77 get a tackle, Ben Barch from St. John's. Love that. I mean, I love Barch. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, he's a small school kid, and he, he played really well at the senior bowl. Um, he doesn't have elite length, but man, he moves great in pass pro. Um, so you you love that upside, um, and to be able to get him at this point when you've already when you passed on tackle earlier, I think would really be great. This would really be a great pick for me if they were able to pull that off. All right, um, eighty three. The Broncos take Logan Wilson from Wyoming, the linebacker. Um, I like the pick. I like the prospect, but. Lloyd Cushenberry, the center, goes two picks later. And I'm, I think that if he's there at that point, you're starting center, you just have to take him. 100%. Not even close. Um, Logan Wilson's fine, um, but yeah, 100%. Not even close there. All right. Uh, next is number 95. Um, that's Ashton Davis, the safety from California. Um, makes sense, right? Yeah, um, as I've been digging in a little more, uh, Ashton's a guy I've had to go back and rewatch. Um, and yeah, not as high, though I guess at that point that's where I'd line up. What's interesting is you really shouldn't be taking a safety unless, A, you haven't taken a corner and you want that safety to allow you to play Kareem Jackson more at corner, which could be in the mix, but Ashton Davis to me is a, is a, you know, a, a high safety. You're not really playing him in the box. I don't love what he does um, coming downhill. In fact, he can be a bit of a non-factor in that area. And I wonder, he, he's shown the coverage ability. So you think, yeah, he could cover some in the slot. I wouldn't love him that close to the line of scrimmage. And I'm not certain that he'd be great um, as a cover guy. Uh, in the slot I, I'm much more certain he could be good as a high safety so yeah a bit of an odd fit though the value at that point would be okay um, especially since I guess you got your Christian Fulton already but you know I'd rather prioritize linebacker uh, maybe that's where I take a Logan Wilson and you know interior line all right uh, next up is pick 118 um some interesting names here that are still on the board. Um, so this is pick 118, where the Broncos take Rashad Lawrence, the defensive lineman from LSU. But um, four picks, or no, I guess three picks later, Brian Edwards, the receiver from South Carolina, is taken. Uh, the pick after that, it's Davion Taylor. Um, then three picks later, mm-hmm. it's Van Jefferson. Uh, pick after that, it's uh-huh. Tyler Biotish. And then you have Antoine Brooks. 
um, the safety from Maryland. So there's a lot of guys we like here, um, but they take Richard Lawrence. Yeah, which I don't know, not a bad pick. Um, I guess once Shelby Harris and Demarcus Walker leave um, in a year, unless they get extended, of course, uh, having that added depth would be nice. Um, I guess even Purcell isn't necessarily signed on long-term. And Lawrence does have a nice physical element to his game as a run stopper. And I think at this point would be pretty nice value in a guy who could complement Draymond Jones fairly nicely. So I guess uh, not a pick that's going to get me too excited, but at this range, yeah, I think that's a pretty nice selection. All right. Uh, 178, the Broncos take... Josh Medalist, the safety from Michigan, the second safety they've taken. Right, right. yeah, Medalist, you, you figure maybe could be a bit more of a hybrid, maybe could play a little closer to the line of scrimmage, um, be a de facto linebacker in certain instances, so that might be intriguing. Um, yeah, I mean, this late in the game, decent pick, nothing, nothing to write home about, though. All right. Um, then 181, it's an edge rusher, Chauncey Rivers from Mississippi State. Yeah, and I haven't watched too much of old Chauncey here, but I guess with Fulton already on board, I wonder do you even need a corner? You have Duke Dawson, Yadam, Bosby on top of Callahan and Bouye. You know, like at that point, I might just double up on wide receiver. Yeah, I'm surprised they haven't yet, but they will. At the seventh round, 252, they take Solomon Kinley, the interior offensive lineman, the guard from Georgia. And then two picks later at 254, Darnell Mooney, receiver from Tulane. I'm not I'm not a fan of this draft. Uh, I mean, I think Solomon Kinley's good value that late, but I don't know. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's a lot you could nit- nitpick after the top three picks, right? But I'd say the yep. the job that needed to get done and with the top three picks gets done. It's after they're managing the board. More than anything, I don't agree with how far he has some of these guys dropping um, who would have still been available, who we would have targeted. Um, but, you know, that's uh, it's interesting that someone like Matt Miller, who's very plugged in, is does have guys like Cushenberry still available mid-third or um, Biadash available what, outside of the top 100. Um, yeah. All that seems fairly noteworthy. All right. Um, we're going to jump into these third and fourth rounds in a second. But first, we want to talk about Strava Craft Coffee, which is a great way uh, to get coffee without having to go to the store. Because if you use the code DNVR20, then you can get 20% off your order. They'll ship it to you. Um, and it's great coffee. It's CBD infused. That means that it will help you with anxiety or back pain or any other sorts of pain, like physical or emotional or whatever. Um, check it out. And because you shouldn't be going to the store anyway, you might as well save some money. Save your 20% with the code DNVR20 and have your coffee shipped to you. Um, also, Breckenridge Brewery, another great way to uh, get some food, yeah. get some beer without having to go to the store. Um, the farmhouse is still open, which means that 
You can still get Breckenridge Brewery's food. Um, you can go pick it up. You can have it delivered. If you use the code DNVR, you can save $5 off your meal. Um, call 303-803-1380 and they'll, you, I mean, again, you can get delivered. You can pick it up. Um, you can get all the beer as well. Um, sometimes they have yeah. specials. We got like the big barbecue platter which is a whole bunch of food yeah, for dude. a good price. And then like a six pack for $5 on top of that. It's a great deal. Not bad. Yeah. Um, also, you can use the beer locator, at the Breckenridge Brewery website. Um, so that when you do go to the grocery store, um, you can make sure you're going to one that will get you whatever beer it is that you want to try. Okay. Now, uh, here's what we're trying to do here. Um, we want to talk about these rounds three and four. Um, and to do that, we're just going to give ourselves some pretty generic setups. Um, we have four different ways that these first two rounds could go. Um, for example, they take a receiver in the first round and then a tackle in the second round. Um, and we aren't going to worry too much about what the board looks like or what, uh, what specific players these are, but we do want to talk about what that means for the Broncos when they make their three picks in the third round at 77, 83, and 95, and then their pick in the fourth round at 118. Um, so let's just start with the example that I brought up, um, which is receiver in the first round, tackle in the second, and now you're into the third at pick 77. What are you looking for here, Dre? Yeah. So at this point, I'm I'm really trying to target three specific needs. Now is where I, we've got the value at our biggest need positions, the premium spots that really remain in the long-term building of our team with wide receiver and offensive tackle. Now we're really trying to address inside linebacker, cornerback, and interior offensive line, specifically center um yep and so we're kind of going to play the board with these three picks and see where the best value may lie if someone like cushionberry if someone like Gadash, if someone like even matt hennessy of temple nice athletic um center and the broncos have done a a teleconference with them um and there's some other interior offensive linemen there who definitely intrigue me if those guys are still around, that would be a, a route I would strongly consider, especially if my the top guy in that tier remaining, Lloyd Cushenberry, is still around. Troy Dye would very much be another dream scenario as I start to look at the athletic linebacker options in this range. Guys who could upgrade not just our linebacker position in general, but give us more range in coverage to really do what Vic Fangio wants to accomplish. And then I'm looking at, you know, it's a pretty stacked cornerback class. Who's dropped to round three, especially those top 15 picks in round three? Are guys like Bryce Hall or Troy Pride Jr., Paulson Adebo, have any of they, those guys, just because it's such a stacked class, A.J. Terrell, Jalen Johnson, even Barney Holmes, what's the situation looking at? So I'm really going to prioritize there with 
Cushenberry and Troy Dye kind of sitting at the top of my board, but some of those corners are, are right there with them as well. And then if I could get two of those guys, dream scenario. If I could get three of those guys, quadruple, triple dream scenario. Um, probably more realistically, you get one of those guys by your next pick. Maybe you get two of those guys, but you'll get two of those guys. And then with that third, late third round pick, you reevaluate, you see who were we able to get out of those three position groups and who's remaining of that third position group. All right. Um, that's a whole bunch of good stuff. Let's get into some specifics here. So, again, you have the receiver from the first round. You have the tackle from the second round. Um, when you mm-hmm. look at these positions, you know, let's start at center because that's a position where you would have an immediate starter. Um, you, you're you're trying to upgrade your third corner. You're trying to upgrade your third receiver. Those might take some time. Yeah. You know, you get a guy like Van Jefferson, for example. He might be ready to go. He might take half a season to be ready to be your yeah. true number three. When you look at a Cesar Ruiz, who's probably gone, a Lloyd Cushenberry, who's probably gone, um, Matt Hennessy, Tyler Biotish, those are probably all of the starting centers in this year's draft. You, do you think mm-hmm. that's true, or is there anybody else? Okay. Um, Nick, since there Nick are Harris. All, I think someone put Nick Harris okay. in that mix. Yeah. Okay. So let's say it's those five. Um, those five could disappear pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, from yeah. from pick 77 to 83 or 83 to 95 or maybe they aren't even there at that point when you look at the receivers right. though there's there's a whole bunch of receivers in that range um we're mm. talking about Jalen Rager um who could slip Visca could slip T Higgins could be there um Hamler Ayuk Peoples Jones Claypool Edwards Van Jefferson KJ Hill Michael Pittman, you know, there, there's so many of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. When when you're talking about these two positions, and these are two positions that the Broncos really could be taking, that's, that upgrade at third receiver, upgrade at center, would you be more inclined to take one of the centers if one of those five or two of those five are left? Or if a guy like T. Higgins falls that far, even though you could still take a good receiver that'd be good value, T. Higgins would be a pretty exceptional value if he slips all the way to that third round. What are you thinking through if those are your options? No, I mean, if one of those wide receivers is left, that's definitely in the mix. Um, And there, who we drafted at wide receiver at 15 does matter. Um, Because if we drafted CeeDee Lamb, you know, look, T. Higgins is intriguing, but we kind of don't need a third outside wide receiver. Like that's, yeah. they're not going to see the field. So we might as well prioritize Lloyd Cushenberry, um, who would be r- right there in that mix as well. If, you know, if you got rugs and then T Higgins is there. Yeah. Then I do consider T Higgins or you got lamb and KJ Hamler's there. Then yeah, very much. Or, you know, KJ Hill. Yeah. That's, that's firmly in the mix. The other thing is it depends on which center. Cushenberry is a guy I probably prioritize over most of those receivers in that range, um, minus maybe Visca. Um, hmm. And then, so really in this range, it'd be Visca, 
Cushenberry, Bryce Hall, Troy Dye. Okay. That's kind of and then, and, and how it all falls in place. Where would, um, let's just say, like a, a Matt Hennessy fall in that group? Um, he'd be... Yeah, I would probably prioritize that third wide receiver if the fit is right over Matt Hennessy, over Nick Harris. Okay. T- Tyler Biadas, it's more of a conversation. It depends on which receiver I'm looking at. Okay. And so that's kind of how things are stacking up here. There are so many receivers. Yeah. You're going to be able to find a receiver that's at, like, if, if you're picking at 46, there's going to be a receiver that's worth 46th pick value. Um, if you're picking 115th, the same is true. What's yeah. interesting is that one of these guys could slide. When you look at the centers, like I said, there are only a handful that you'd be confident you'd be putting on the field. Um, when you go to the cornerbacks, you know, there are a bunch of guys, yeah. but there are only a few that really fit what the Broncos are doing. You know, the Trayvon Diggs, maybe maybe Jalen Johnson, um, but then Cameron Dantzler, Bryce Hall, um, Darnay Holmes, Troy Pride Jr., um, even Michael Ojemudia from Iowa. Yeah, um, yeah. Which of those guys, um, if any, would you prioritize at 83? Definitely Bryce. Or 77. Definitely Bryce Hall if he's around, though. You know, we've been talking about him year-round, how he's a really nice fit because of his physicality and versatility. He's kind of exactly what Fangio has shown us he looks for in cornerbacks in his time in Denver. And Troy Pride Jr., who I've been very high on, would be right there in that mix with the tippy-top receivers, tippy-top linebackers, and uh, Lloyd Cushenberry. Um after that, though, yeah, I, I probably prioritize center just because it is such a deep cornerback class. Um, even for the guys that fit the Broncos, and I'm, I'm confident that when we get back in the 80s, we'll still have a, a corner that I like. Okay, because that's kind of the other factor here. It isn't just which guy you like. It's right. playing the board right. so that when you have pick 76 – and then six picks later, you're back on the clock again at 83. Then 12 picks later at 95, you're up there. How, I mean, which which positions are you willing to take those risks um, where, you know, one of the guys that you like could slip away um, during those six picks? Is, is the difference between the receivers yeah. wider or the cornerbacks or the centers or what? Right, right. First off, it's wide receiver where there's a wide range. So I feel more com- comfortable passing on one because as you've uh, point, you've made a good point, you can kind of wait at any pick, you're going to get decent value at wide receiver in this draft. Cornerback would be second on that list um, where, you know, I feel good enough about the depth where I can kind of play my board. I don't need to rush the things and I mean you make a good point about there only being so many centers that's kind of typical you know every year there's only so many centers um, and this is a nice center class a lot of plug and play uh, starters so yeah I'd, I'd probably prioritize that and then after that it's linebacker because linebacker we're looking for slightly more unique athletes right it's not just anyone at linebacker we want that cover guy we want a little more athleticism we want someone who can unlock some of the fun stuff 
that Vic Fangio can do in his defense, but we haven't quite been able to do thus far with the linebackers we have. All right. Um, so, like I said, they have this 77, 83, 95 in the third round, but then in the fourth round, they have pick 118. Um, what are you looking for there? Where do you feel confident that you can sit back for 20 picks and st- still find a guy you like at that position? Or are you just saying we can fill the needs of those first three? It's whoever slips in the fourth round. Well, yeah, to some extent you're still, I mean, of course you're still playing the board and you're still hunting Mm -hmm. value. And if one of those guys who was, who we just mentioned as all our different targets at those three positions is still available by round four. Yeah. So we would take, take care of that value and do it. Four is where I would wait for that third wide receiver because I think the value could be really good. And where we start to look at where are the unique athletes at safety or linebacker? Where are those hybrid guys who might be overlooked, but similar to a Will Parks, we can find a way to use. And then that's where you start to look at that D-line depth again. We'll talk about this more in the questions. Um, obviously, with the signing of Shelby Harris, addressing the the depths on the defensive line with those first five picks isn't as much of a priority, but you're still looking to add depth for 2021 and beyond. Um, And that's where you start to, you know, kind of play the board, see if there's any intriguing interior pass rushers who might still be available. Um, And yeah, really, really start to look at that position as well as safety on top of just, trying to get the best third wide receiver at this point. All right. Um, so in this scenario, we go receiver in the first round, tackle in the second round. Then likely it sounds like center with the 77th pick, maybe snag one of those cornerbacks at 83, maybe Troy Dye. Um, right. Maybe if one of those receivers actually does slip and you have a chance at a guy like a, a Visca or a T Higgins, who I'm, getting mm-hmm. much higher on then then you grab those guys there um linebackers in play cornerback and then you grab one of those defensive linemen let's jump to another scenario let's say that the broncos get their tackle early um in one of the first two rounds but they also snag a defensive player um we can say that's a cornerback we can say it's a defensive lineman um and that does kind of play a factor. Um, but you're likely looking at offense going forward, starting in that yeah. third round. How does that shift some things? So we kind of settled on center. If there's one of those guys there, it would make a lot of sense to grab one of them. When you don't have that number two receiver and the equations change, do you want to upgrade number three receiver or center to upgrade receiver two or center? Um do, do you, well, do you feel are, like there's a more urgent need at receiver that you just have to fill there? Yeah, I mean, I, the, the urgency builds there, and we're really hoping some guys we feel good about being able to start in the next two seasons, depending on what we did with the first two picks, that wide receiver or tackle, um, we're really hoping hard that um, a guy we still like, a K.J. Hill, an Isaiah Wilson, one of those second-tier wide receivers or offensive tackles makes it all the way to 77. You know, like in the Matt Miller mock draft, well, where Ben Barch falls to you, I'm pretty happy with that. Matthew Perk, maybe same thing. 
Um, if a Visco or a T Higgins were to drop, that'd be phenomenal. That's where, yeah, I'd be comfortable taking a gamble on a Donovan Peoples Jones, or maybe I address a position like KJ Hill. And, you know, we see, we hope maybe Brian Edwards drops or, um, you know, but that's really where you, uh, you tighten up a little bit and you're really, really hoping that while they're deep classes, they're deep classes in the first two rounds with guys that can start immediately for you. After that, we're going to have to see what kind of run there was at either position and how much of that really great value has been sopped up. Yeah. Um, so let's just dig into some specifics. So say say they take a cornerback in the first round, a tackle in the second round. You're looking at the board. You know, you do have like a, a Matt Hennessy there. Um, and you could take that or say Michael Pittman Jr. is still around. How do you kind of balance yeah. those two? Or Chase Claypool, your pick of whichever two th- those you like. I'm going with those super high upside receivers. I mean, the okay. other thing is, man, that's the, that's the thing that gets me about waiting on wide receiver is as we've said for a long time, you've really kept hammering this home. The really good value at wide receiver after the top 50 is with the big wide receiver. It is guys like Pittman, like Claypool, like Higgins, if he were to drop, like Edwards, like Donovan Peoples-Jones, like Andy Golden, like Gabe Davis. That's really where the value is. Like Colin Johnson, like Juwan, both Juwan Jennings and Juwan mm-hmm. Johnson. That's where the value is. You know, it's so it, you're better off getting the smaller, more complete receiver earlier. And to me, CD lamb has enough of a speed element to his game where even he fits that. And then, yeah, trying to find, trying to take, because if you want the best value after round two at wide receiver, it's going to be with the big guys. It's not going to be with the small guys. Yep. I agree. That's, that's kind of where you're at. And then after that, you're kind of back to where we were, we're talking about before in that first scenario because you do have that receiver settled. Right. The only question is, do you because you didn't get a first round receiver because you can't go first round and fourth round when you wait till the third round? Would you be more inclined to take another receiver in the third round? Give yourself a little bit better shot at having a guy who can contribute early to like double up with your third round pick. Yeah, um, I think so. As long as those receivers are different. You know, just don't mm-hmm. take Pittman and Claypool. Like, you know, these, yeah. these guys got to see the field. Um, even if we're getting great value, we're not building a fantasy team. We're building a team that will have to play together and see the field and, you know, compete. So, yeah, I, I would right. say let's, that you, you do start to consider doubling up. Let's run through something kind of similar. Um, you You take your receiver in the first round, um, then say you take uh, Cesar Ruiz in the second round, an interior guy. Um, running into that third round now, you're looking likely at tackle, but let's say the tackles are all gone. You know That's why you didn't get oh. a tackle in the first round. They were off the board. Second round, you took Cesar Ruiz because that run on the tackles has already happened. So let's say you, know, you're, you don't have a shot at the four big guys, at Josh Jones or Ezra Cleveland or... Austin Jackson, Niang, Wanagu, Wilson, Pert. 
Um, you're kind of looking there, you know, Sadiq Charles, Ben Barch, Hakeem Adeniji. Meanwhile, even though you already got, let's say, let's say you got a Jerry Judy, uh, let's say uh, T. Higgins has slipped to the third round. Um, let's say Troy Dye is there. Um, let's let's give an intriguing cornerback option. Maybe maybe a Trayvon Diggs is still there. Uh, do do you still go after that tackle Oof. and try to find a replacement that maybe might not be in one of those top two tiers, um, or do you just say we got to go talent? Let's let's find guys who can contribute right away. No, I mean I'm not just going to reach because we have that need. If there's no guy who can fill that need, uh, reaching on him isn't going to make him better. Um, you know, so it's. To me, it's a clear cut. There's a group of guys who I do trust to be um, immediate contributors, and after that, it, it falls off a little. So if we've missed out on Ben Barch, Matthew Perch, Shadiq Charles, all those guys, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going best value, and we'll we'll try to get a developmental guy in, on day three, and we'll ride with Bulls and Wilkins, you know, Elijah Wilkinson as the backup. Um, you just go okay. from there. Um, let's just finish this conversation up by talking about what are really the most pressing needs. Say, say you say you are starting Garrett Bowles. You couldn't find one of those tackles. What is like the cap for the grade you can give this draft class? If I'm sorry, repeat that. So say say this scenario does play out, uh, you don't get yeah. a tackle who's going to be um, yeah, starting yeah, right. this season. What what is the cap for the grade that you can give Elway for this draft if he doesn't get a replacement for Garrett Bowles? I mean, look at the end if he's able to get like basically first or second round value um, with his top three picks even if he wasn't able to address that need, that's, that's really what the draft is about is building long-term uh, building blocks and, you know, premium start premier starters uh, at as many positions as you can. So if you're accomplishing that goal, it can still be an a level draft. It might just not be an a plus, but I mean, we're nitpicking at, at that point. I think it's, it can still be a great draft and you'll just have to run the clock back on, 2021 and you know try to get a tackle there maybe penny sewell has a terrible injury and he drops in their lap who knows crazier things okay. have one more question before we uh jump into the listener questions having gone through all these different scenarios now what is your ideal strategy going into it is it still receiver tackle and then kind of what we were talking about yeah. at the beginning with that first scenario Hundred percent. Right. Yeah, wide receiver tackle, and I think you can really take advantage of the depth at corner and the depth at receiver in that with those four picks in rounds three and four to really, I mean, kill it and address just about all the real pressing. And all of a sudden, after a great free agency, you do that, this team's going to look like gangbusters on paper. Yeah. Yeah, you can see the path already. You can see it. You know, if they can get one of those little receivers early, um, all you need is Henry Ruggs or Jerry Judy to be available at 15. And all of a sudden, this entire draft is 
put in the order that you want it to be put. Like all of a sudden, like you know that in the second round, you're either going to get an Ezra Cleveland level of tackle or you can find a starting caliber defensive player cornerback um and and that's kind of where these options open up but it all starts with getting one of these receivers early i think right right yeah i mean all right uh before we jump into the uh questions we want to take a second to talk about our friends at davidson's um so Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits has two locations, one in Centennial, one in Highlands Ranch, and they are the best locally owned option to stock up on your beer, wine, and spirits needs. Um, they mm-hmm. they have Breckenridge Brews, so you know that they know their stuff. Um, so now, because of the coronavirus quarantine, all of the orders are for delivery or curbside pickup so you order through their app and when you download their app you can sign up for their loyalty program so you get special deals um rewards obviously like typical loyalty program stuff that makes them a pretty great option because it's tough to find discounts sometimes on alcohol good discounts at least um right definitely definitely be using the app ordering through it um and get some Breckenridge beers too. That 15 can sampler is your best option. Variety, value. Um, oh, yeah. And do it through Davidson's. All right. Uh, let's jump into these comments now. Um, yeah. Oh, the page is loading. Make sure, make sure there's no right. last minute stragglers. We have a lot of questions. This is going to be great. Um, yeah. Okay. Perfect. Let's start with Ooh Benny Lava. Oh 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 Benny Lava. Ooh, ben. We'll just go with it. Um hey guys, sorry for the double comment. Oh wait, let's start at the bottom because that must be a second. Okay, Lone Star Bronco says, "Hey guys, this happens every year. I get familiar with names and just assume they're going to be starters." That being said, who are your no questions asked day one starters at the following positions guard center receiver cornerback also what receivers have return potential okay um let's start with um guard like he did and uh just run through some names um jonah jackson no oh you think jonah jackson is a day one no questions asked starter i i think so i think so I mean, again, sure. that's that's assuming he goes to a team that ha- that needs a guard. You know, if sure, if, sure. Like, like if you're the Broncos, the the five guys we identified as day one starting centers are day one starting centers. But maybe if they go to a different team, they wouldn't be. You know. Oh, of course, of course. No, okay. but I mean um, that, that's high praise. I, as far as the guards go, I think I only see two position converts in Jedrick Wills. And Cesar Ruiz, I guess Cushenberry could probably do it too. But I think those yeah. would be the three guys I would say are no-brainers to me. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. See, I would have thought that there would be a couple more. Um, you know, Damian Lewis right. at LSU. Right. Like the big, yeah. scary, right. physical guy. Right. I don't know, but maybe that does take a little more refinement. Um Okay, let's we we talked about the centers. Cesar Ruiz, if if he plays center, he can kind of play center or guard. Uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, Matt yep. Hennessy, um, 
Tyler Biotish, then you threw Nick Harris in there too. Um, receivers, that's an interesting conversation. Obviously, Jerry Judy, um, C.D. Lamb, uh, Henry Ruggs. Yeah. You have your big three. Uh, from there, I think it's pretty safe to say Justin Jefferson and Denzel Mims. Um, yeah, Mims is going to be a little then, raw, but I think he's you know he's a day one starter. Okay, and then from there things get tough. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about yeah. Visca. I think he's definitely a day one contributor. Um, mm-hmm. I think like for the Broncos, he'd be a day one starter. Um, but uh-huh. you would be expecting to see some pretty significant improvements in terms of him as a route runner um, over the course of this first right. year. Um, yeah. T. Higgins, I think, you could, I think could be. Same thing about Claypool that you said about Visca. Yeah, I think okay. Higgins definitely is. I think Pittman can be too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, and then meanwhile, you know, you have these little guys, KJ Hamler, Brandon Ayuk. Um, I think that like Visca, they can come in and fill roles, whether they're every down receivers. I'm not so sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not a no questions asked. There, there are questions asked. So I think we've more or less addressed all those guys. And now we got to do corner where it's going to be just as interesting. Yeah, and again, because scheme gets all weird. Um, I think yeah, if, in terms of the Broncos, if we're talking who would be their starting number three corner, I think obviously Okuda, you got to say it. Um, yeah. CJ Henderson is a little raw and not necessarily scheme fit, but I think he'd definitely be your starting day one third corner, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think in the right system, you'd say the same about Diggs. Yeah, I think I think he would also be for the Broncos. I would say that the Broncos would mm-hmm. start him. Um, right. What do you think about some of the other guys that we like? You know, the Bryce Hall, Troy Pride Jr., Darnay Holmes. Yeah, those aren't necessarily no questions asked. Um, those okay. guys would be in the rotation. I think by week four or five, they're probably one of the top three corners on most teams. Um, but not no questions asked immediate starters. I think Gladney and Fulton are right there. Noah, I probably, but not no questions asked. I have more questions about Noah. I do. I probably like his upside more than some of the other guys we've said. So that's another part, you know, just because we're saying no questions asked, immediate starters doesn't mean necessarily that we like them better than other guys were on the fence. It just means that, uh, yeah, they're, they're more NFL ready right now. All right. Um, and then receivers with return potential. Um, obviously Henry Ruggs has return potential. Um, I'm not sure whether you want to put him back there. Uh, no, I think, uh, you could probably say the same thing about, cd lamb jerry judy again i don't think it'd be worth yeah. it um yep. similar you know lavisca chenault would be a great returner yep. don't know what you risk it um the little guys rager hamler um but then after that is where you really start to get into the I guys who, for sure yep yep um you know like a lynn bowden from kentucky um yeah big time or, or big time uh, lynn bowden John Hightower of Boise State definitely gives you yep. returnability. 
Courtney Davis probably does. Devin DuVernay, don't think he's done it, but has the perfect physique to be a kick returner. James Proch of SMU also has kick turn um, ability. And Antonio Gibson, of course, you know, wide receiver running back, depends on how you classify him. He definitely has return ability. I guess Jeff Thomas of Miami does too. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes, you know, it seems like the Broncos go after the really late round returners. It's been a while. Yeah. I mean, they, they never have like the Tyreek Hill back there or the um, Julian Edelman, who I guess were mid-round guys, but they're like very well-known figurehead type of players sure. for your team. Uh, you know, like Aaron Fuller out of Washington. He's somebody who yep. you might be able to bring in as a mm-hmm. undrafted free agent who could win that job and get a roster spot because of it. Um, Total. I feel like that's a pretty good list. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. Next fun. question coming in from Count Locula. Oh, I love it. Gents, hello from Missoula. The sun continues to evade us here, but the trails remain open. Andre, I love Reply All. Big H, I'm now giving sports a listen. That's sports with a question mark, just to clarify. Um, <laughs> and it's great. So thanks. I love that podcast. Um, Despite my umbrage with Kamish Rogers' despotic and tyrannical language regarding the immobility of the draft date, I'm excited to have the draft occur as it looms large over my mental landscape. In your minds, how will the quarantine affect this draft? Who are some specific players that could rise and fall as a result of this unique situation? Are there any draft day changes that might occur? Will GMs make more behind-the-scenes trades ahead of time? What do you oracles foresee as potential foibles we might look back on as extraordinary love the count ubeni lava says ooh, oh so many big words i gave that ooh a double thing um then the big tabowski <laughs> said i think it'll be the best draft ever for fans and that we'll agree more with the picks this year the gms will have similar access to us and we'll evaluate accordingly so the big question is will there be more hits this year or more misses hmm thank you to the count for his kind words on this pod and the broncos pod appreciate that and the concern for our welfare stay safe peeps okay um so I'll jump in with this one first. Uh, how will the quarantine affect this year's draft? Who benefits? Who does not? Um, I think that yeah. it's a lot easier to identify the guys who don't benefit than it is to identify the guys who do benefit. So the guys who don't benefit, they're going to be the ones with the injury concerns. Um, because, yep. you know, a guy like Visca, he isn't going to get tested by 32 teams, doctors, and then have whatever 20 of those teams say he's draftable um he might only have met with however many doctors at the draft um or at the combine sorry and maybe that's Mm -hmm. 10 doctors and seven of them said he's draftable so so that's why somebody like him could get hurt because other people would be scared away um i think that that's going to be the biggest type of loser the guys who have injuries um the guys who have the most gain are the guys who are dumb if i think if we're being kind of honest here and blunt yeah um you know a guy like visca could have something to gain if his medicals would have checked out um or i guess no he wouldn't be gaining that situation that's a loss we covered that but uh oh he would gain if his medicals would not have checked out but now teams don't get those medicals and they're still willing to take the chance on him. So there is that kind of reverse right. thing. But the guys who gain are the guys sword. who would have botched the interviews. Yeah. Yeah. 
though they're still being interviewed to some extent. Um, to me, how it'll change and how we see it, you know, like every year I publish a final 200 big board and about 20% of those guys, so a fifth, about 40, um, don't get drafted. Uh, that's pretty standard. I think most mm-hmm. teams don't bother to do much more than 200 on their boards and the same thing's happening to them. I mean, and that's, you know, there's a roughly 200, usually it's a little more, but that's 200 guys I've identified with draftable grades who can contribute and stick on an NFL roster this year. Maybe that jumps to maybe that's more like only 10% of my top 200, only 15% because guys who were good college producers and didn't have a chance to test that pro days and what have you. Essentially, if you were good on tape, you're being rewarded. We're not nitpicking you as much and getting too caught up in what your three cone was at your pro day and how that's going to knock you down. Um, and at the same time, it's going to affect things behind the scenes a whole lot yep. in that GMs and coaches, you know, depending on what the situation is, but usually there's one final decision maker, most run offenses, the ones who really listen to their scouting staff, who really trust their scouting staff and allow them input, they're going to do a great job. Those where there's kind of totalitarian leaders in those front offices, guys who don't care what their scouts have done for 10 months on the road and think they know more by just putting on the tape and watching three games of that prospect without that added data, those guys might be getting themselves in more trouble because they might be taking risks on character concerns or injury concerns that they, their team or their models would keep them away from it. Um, And yeah, in a lot of ways, I think what the big Tabowski brings up is really interesting and could be the deal um, where, yeah, they, the, these drafts look more top to bottom, like what media are projecting um, because teams aren't taking flyers on high upside guys as much because they don't have the appropriate information to do that. So it'll be intriguing for sure. Yep. Essentially all the information was just cut off. Um, and and getting ahead to one of the Count's other questions, will GMs make more behind-the-scenes trades ahead of time? I think definitely, because typically you're still like learning up until those last few days before the draft. At this point, pretty much all the scouting reports are in, and you're still having yeah. some meetings with guys over Zoom, but you really aren't learning much more in this last few weeks before the draft like you could be typically. And so with that time, you can be talking about with your board basically set um, what it would take to move up to, if you're the Broncos, pick 12 to make sure you get one of those receivers or seven. If maybe you have one tackle you really like, and there's a potential that he slips there. Um, And so I do think that you could see more behind the scenes trades. Um, I really agree with what you said about the GMs having similar access. Um, Basically they have, they still have a lot more information than us, but not nearly as much more, more yeah. than typically. Um, 
Also, right. what do you oracles right. foresee as potential foibles we might look back on as extraordinary? I don't know. I think it's just hard to... It, it's. I, I think we it's found a bunch of ways that this draft will change, but there's going to be some weird stuff that happens, I think. I just don't even know what it... Well, right. I mean, first of all, there's no war room. There's, there, the, the, there's no prospects oh, I mean, walking across the stage. There's no fans. How does that right. impact things? I have no idea. Roger Goodell doesn't get yeah, booed. Yeah, it'll be different. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it'll be really different in that sense. Um, yeah, that's the thing. It it makes it so that the draft is a little more unpredictable. That's it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I know. It's it's going to be weird because usually you have Schefter spoiling all the picks. You, you have Schefter like two minutes before it's announced on the stage saying, oh, I just heard that this is what it's going to be. Now that might just be what the draft is. You know, it might yep. be ESPN saying, well, Schefter is reporting that it's this, so I guess it's this. Totally. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what that process is even like. Yeah. Yeah, how it looks will definitely be interesting. That's probably what will stick out to us the most is how it yeah. all looks for sure. Also, I'm glad that you're enjoying sports, Count Locula. Usually it takes like two episodes to get into like the humor because it is kind of weird, but uh, I'm glad that you're listening. I think Allie turned me on to that one. Um, see Jesus, maybe see Jesus. See if that's wrong. Uh-huh. I'm going to sound like a terrible person. Uh, made two separate bets with my friends. First bet was that the Broncos will make the playoffs in at least one out of the next two seasons. That's a great bet. The second bet is that the Broncos will go nine and seven or better this upcoming season. Chances that both these bets cash. Um, in one of the next well, two seasons, the make the playoffs. playoffs yeah, I, I think. I don't know. We could probably do that math. Um, I mean, with really the new playoff to. system, if they go nine and seven, which I think there's a good likelihood they will, you're going to win both those bets right off the bat next year. Um, I wonder if there's yeah. any contingencies for if seasons will be played or not. Um, yeah, I think but, that's probably no, your I, biggest risk. Yeah, that's your biggest risk right there, man. Especially if the Broncos take care of this draft. So if it was totally random making the playoffs with the number of teams that make it, it's not based on how good a team is, there'd be like a 68 point something percent chance you'd win. I think the Broncos are better than the average team. So we're going to say that you're you're looking good there. Um, wow. Nine and seven this year. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, yeah, I, I think I like... <sighs> Yeah. I think that's where Ooh, after the draft we get to do fun stuff though. like that. Yeah. 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 I, I mean that's that's but one I think, think if you said Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think if they said the line at nine. Mm-hmm. If they had said will they go eight and eight or better, I'd say yes. If they said ten or ten and six or better, I would have said I would be on his side of the bet. So yeah, I think right. I think you're in terms of the two bets combined, I think you're at least gonna get your money back. I think you have a pretty decent shot of winning both. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Orange Crush says, Hey guys, played around with a mock draft and happened to not get any of the top three wide receivers, but still think it turned into a decent draft class. One, Andrew Thomas. Two, Patrick Queen. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Troy Pride Jr., Tyler Biotish, Devin DuVernay, Antonio Gandy-Golden, Tanner Muse, Robert Windsor, Reggie Robertson II, might have gone heavy on the big receivers, but I guess it goes to show that it won't be all doom and gloom if we don't get Lamb, Ruggs, and Judy. What do you think? Have you guys done a seven-round mock yet? 
Um, again, yep, I think you're yeah. showing kind of what we saw with the big receivers. I don't necessarily think you need three um, because if you go into the season with Sutton, two drafted receivers, um, then Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick, that's five. Um, you'd probably want to yeah. keep uh, Deontay Spence around that six. I don't think there's room for a third, especially when you start talking about, you know, maybe Jawan Winfrey's taking a step. Um, right, right. But, again, if you're throwing a sh- chance out there, I mean, the best guy is going to get the job. I just think that I would add that depth somewhere else, um, especially because so many of those guys are young anyway. You don't really have many people you're trying to replace totally. when they move on. Um also yeah, but in accomplishing uh, the goals we set out, he gets the wide receivers, you know, he gets the speed wide receiver in Duvernay and an athletic freak in Donovan Peoples Jones, who maybe even as an outside big body guy has a little more speed than what he was able to show on Michigan um, tape at Michigan because of his bad tape. Andrew Thomas, you get, you know, a, a stud plug-and-play offensive tackle. Patrick Queen, you get your cover linebacker um, who can be an upgrade. Troy Pride Jr., definitely an immediate contributor at corner. And Biadash, your potential starter at center for years to come. Plus Tanner Muse, who's got some nice versatility as a hybrid linebacker um, safety. So I really like that. Really, you're accomplishing the goals yep. uh, we set out in those scenarios we were taking on in uh, segment two. And, and when we're talking about having too many receivers, it almost might just be that there are too many picks. You know, when you have right. 10 picks, how are you going to fit 10 guys onto that roster? Um, and consolidating would make sense. Um, bringing in a punter to compete with uh, Sam Martin might as well just to see what happens. Weird things yeah. happen with punters. Remember Marquette King? We all yeah, thought Marquette King was going to be great. Let's not waste draft capital on a punter if we already signed one to a big contract. Hmm. Okay. Um, like Samuel B. Oh, have we done seven round mock drafts? I do a bunch of them. I've I've only done one where I picked yeah. for every team, um, and that's because there's nothing to do in a pandemic. Um, oh nobody ever gosh. talked about what an that insane part. Person. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so yeah. I've plenty to <laughs> do. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, I have like work yeah. to do, but then in terms of fun. I guess you you don't get to have fun oh, no. anymore. You have a family. That's right. I'm I'm either working <laughs> or with my family. Both things that can be fairly fun, um, but but not always fun. So I, I gotta <laughs> I gotta manage the fun within work and, and family time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, I wind up with like these four hours every night where it's like I know I need to eat somewhere in here, but what I do with the rest of it, I have no idea. Um, Nice. And but again, nobody talks about that. Everybody's like, when you think about a pandemic, you think, "Huh, that's going to be terrifying." I bet I'm just going to be stressed out, worried about this. And like, there's definitely some of that. But more than anything, I just kind of get bored. Yeah, I don't that's know. That's true. That's true. Um, if you're doing it right, it's just kind of boring. There's like no new content, no new news. Kind of just like, okay, ho hum. Thank God we have the draft, man. Because otherwise, thank it'd be God really we have rough. the draft. Yeah. Uh, Samuel Bisu says, Hey guys, I really love the way DNVR covers the off season. There isn't another site so complete with articles, pods, film rooms, and so much more. So if you listening are not a subscriber yet, you are missing out big time. I agree. Uh, one, I asked this to Andre on Twitter, but I thought it would be a good conversation piece for the pod and would like to hear Henry's opinion on this. Would you rather? 
oh, 15 Judy and 46 Yang, or 15 Thomas and 46 Rager. Uh, easily Judy and Yang. If I think mm. if the options were just Jerry Judy or mm-hmm. Thomas and Rager, I would be tempted to take just Jerry Judy. Um, uh-huh. Throwing Yang in there is going to make that worlds and worlds better of an option than Thomas and Rager. Right. Um, just because I think that Jerry Judy is a lock to be a starter this season. He will be your day one number two receiver. Um, Jalen Rager, he might have a 500-yard season, you know? And right. Right. I, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if Jerry Judy is producing double what Jalen Rager produces. Then you look at Thomas and Yang. Um, Thomas is the better prospect for sure. Uh, I think that even with Yang, you're upgrading that position enough. And by the end yeah. of the year, I think that it's totally. a pretty significant upgrade. Um, two, totally. do you think the Broncos still draft a defensive end or defensive tackle in the draft in the first three rounds with Shelby staying for another year? I'll let you handle this one, Dre. I think it's less likely. Um, again, you know, it's it's a really nice signing. It's a great value, but it is just a one-year contract. And contracts like that that are made in the second wave of free agencies, those shouldn't swing the way you're making top 100 picks. If the value lines up yep. really nicely for a target you have, you need to still pull the trigger on a defensive lineman, but it becomes less likely. Um, the Broncos have done a nice job of kind of eliminating running back and defensive line as needs they need to address with those top 100 picks. And now they have much more flexibility. Um, so that's been nice to see. On that scenario for number one, it becomes a lot more interesting if instead of Judy, you say Ruggs and Niang or Thomas and Rhaegar. I now, agree. That becomes a lot more interesting. Yeah. It does. And I'd still go Ruggs and Niang. the one who swings it. Mm-hmm. Yep, I would still go Rugs and Yang, but mm. if if anybody said they go the other way, I'd say yeah, I see it. Um, yeah, I but yeah, I guess th- Rugs Niang on my board is the better matchup. But man, I almost almost would go Thomas Rhaegar there. Almost, especially almost. when uh, Rhaegar Rugs. Good. It's yeah, Rugs is more dynamic, but man. It's a little more of a toss-up with what they bring to the table. It is. And, you know, I had a chance to watch a bunch of both these guys um, just recently. And, you know, in watching Ruggs, he gets loose once every few games or once every couple of games um, on, like, a slant route where he just gets to the corner so fast he's just running past everybody or he's he's beating everybody deep. And Jalen Rager has those moments, but if if it's once every two games for uh, Henry Ruggs, it's once every three games for Jalen Rager. Um, I'm not overly mm. impressed with what either of them bring to the table when they aren't making those big plays. Um, uh-huh. Ruggs just makes them more often, but he's also making them against SEC defenses, which maybe is worth more. But at the same time, he's also right. being freed up by the other options that Alabama has and the running game that Alabama right. has. Um, and so there is there there are all those little factors that maybe they mean that because he comes from Alabama, Ruggs is the better prospect because of the defenses, or maybe he's a worse off prospect because of it because of the talent that he had around him. And so that's what makes it so fuzzy trying to distinguish between the two 
Ruggs definitely the better prospect, but good enough to change Niang and Thomas is a discussion. Right, right. Um, getting back to the Shelby Harris thing, when you're changing defensive line, what what really happened is it's no longer a need this year. It's a need for next year. And when the Broncos are building the, yeah. their draft board, figuring out what to address, they're they're looking at what they need to fix this year for sure. But you have to keep an eye on what you're going to need next offseason. And I think the strategy Big with class. these defensive linemen is, you know, take one in the fourth round and hope that he shows you that you don't need to make that your first round pick next year. Yeah, or your second point. round pick next year. If if you can find right. a guy who can contribute a little and has a Draymond Jones type season where you're saying, "Huh. We we want we know he's going to be a rotational piece in year 2. Is he going to be a starter? We don't know, but that's what can make it so that next year if uh say I don't even know what that needs going to be. I mean, Todd Davis is going to be headed out. Maybe that's where they look to take that linebacker, and it's between linebacker, defensive tackle, and round one next year. If you can hit on a fourth-round defensive line prospect this year, then that frees you up to take one in the second or third round next year. That's how I'm looking at it. Yeah, no, total. Total. I think that's um, a good way to think... approach it, but definitely 2021 needs factor in. Yep. Uh, three, do you think Vic wants to draft a linebacker or do you think he thinks he doesn't need to? He can just take undrafted guys and make them better. Um, I think he could take earlier, any guy tough, and make him better. Yeah. Yep. I yeah. think he could take an undrafted guy and make him play like an average NFL starter or a low-end NFL star- starter. I think he could take a first-round guy and turn him into the, the top three linebacker in the league. Um, and it just depends on whether... It's the same thing when you talk about this receivers class with the depth. That means you can get a top six talent at 15, or you can take a top 35 talent in a normal year at pick 46. You know, and it's just right. figuring out where that value makes the most sense to you personally. Um, totally. And we just have no idea what Vic wants to do. Okay. He also yep. says, keep up the great work. We listeners really appreciate it. Stay safe and healthy. You too, Samuel Bisu. Um, Kiwi Bronco says, Hi guys, finally got premium access to Draft Network and been wheeling and dealing on the mock draft simula- or simulator. Tell me what you think on this one. Uh, 25, Javon Kinlaw. 31, Josh Jones. 46, LaVisca Chenault. 77, Kyle Duggar. We haven't talked a lot about him. Uh, 95, Tyler Biotish. 178, Davion Taylor. 181, Benito Jones. 254, John Hightower. Um, I mean, Javon Kinlaw... He's he's starting. Josh Jones, he's starting. LaVisca Chenault, he's mm-hmm. your third receiver at Massive worst. Well, yep. Yep. Kyle Duggar, he's going to be replacing Will Parks immediately. Um, 95, yep. Tyler Biotish, he's a starter. Then I think you have good developmental pieces with Davion Taylor. Obviously, we've talked a lot about Benito Jones coming out of Ohio State. I I, I think that'd be good. Um Right, Benito what do you Jones think, Dre? from Mississippi, um, and oh, yeah, yeah, Hightower from Boise State. Yeah, that's right. That's it's, right. It's good. The glaring missing piece is is the cornerback here, right? Um, and you kind of by taking Kinlaw, you kind of sacrifice that. Not sure Kinlaw would be around by twenty five, but I guess I could see it. Um, injuries could swing him. Um, you know, maybe that's too much injury risk to take on in one draft with Kinlaw and Visca. Um, but look, dude, to get a high-end 
pass protector at tackle and Josh Jones, plus a disruptor in the middle like Kinlaw and a weapon like Chenault. The kind of upside you've got just with Chenault and Kinlaw alone could really prove monumental. And Taylor's exactly that kind of linebacker you're looking for. Duggar has some hybrid, uh, you know, skills to him. And Hightower's that vertical speed guy who can give you some returnability too. So you could do a lot worse. Uh, I like that. And maybe Benito Jones, when you already have Kinlaw, we don't need that much more interior D-line. I might have gone after a corner at that point. But who knows? Maybe the value just didn't line up at that point. Yep. Um, I actually really like the idea of trading down. Um, I don't like the idea of trading up at all. You know, I I was an econ major in college, and I th- we've talked about that a lot. But one of the things I did was spent a lot of time studying um, and writing papers about the draft and where the value is. Um, oh wow! And huh. my professor, yeah, my professor was a sports fan, and so I totally got away with it. I think. Uh, oh, I think I think like my capstone thesis for econ was like why drafting a quarterback or why paying a quarterback's bad idea there's there's actually a whole bunch of good stuff about like where paying players makes the most sense so like left tackles are overpaid the teams that are paying this much for tackles aren't benefiting and it takes a whole bunch of math but one of the biggest takeaways is that trading down is almost always the best option i think that typically when you look at one player versus another there's about if if in in any given set of two consecutive picks the higher pick has about a 52 percent chance of being better than the pick behind it and that's true in the first round Uh that's true late in the draft and so when you're looking at you know the difference between the 10th pick and the 20th pick um and and typically they do this based on like pro bowl appearances or starts um and uh-huh. they just kind of make their own little metric using that stuff. But typically, um, that makes it like a there's like a 60% chance or a 65% chance. I can't remember the exact numbers that the 10th overall pick will be better than the 20th. Meanwhile, you're picking up second and third round picks. And there's a bunch of really interesting economic stuff. Like a bunch of the really big name economists, like Richard Thaler, or I don't know if any of you guys are econ people, but... Uh, yeah, so so they've all like dug into it and found that trading down is almost always the best option. You can kind of see it here um, because yeah, odds are sense. somebody you like is going to fall to 25. Right. And I mean, I would almost argue that really, unless you're trading up for a quarterback, trading up in round one, is ne- it's just going to cost more than it's mm-hmm. worth uh, more often than not. But at the same mm-hmm. time, if the price is right and you have this extra draft capital and trading up only costs you one of those three-thirds and it's to ensure you get Judy when you know you wouldn't have got him at 15, you know, when the when the margins become slimmer like that, yeah, I would consider yep. it. But yeah, you're right. I mean, value-wise, you're almost always going to look better by trading down, and we saw that in a major way last year, dude. I mean, that draft yeah. was phenomenal, and it never happens if they don't trade down with that first pick. It's true. And and you look through one of the most interesting things that they do is they take like the the normal typical draft trade value chart and uh-huh. uh, make their own version based on the actual production of players at each pick and it's just mm-hmm. incredibly flat. 
Um, like so, so it, it just turns out that it's almost always better to be trading down. Um, but yeah, I, I'd, I like the trade down. I don't know that I would trade back up into that 31 range just because I like the, those guys that you find in the third round so much. Yeah. I think yeah. that it could, I'd rather have two of those guys versus one Josh Jones. You know, I'd rather have a, a Pert and a Bryce Hall than just a Josh Hone, Josh Jones. Right. I don't know. It's interesting stuff, no, though. I mean, I can um, see it. Yeah. The we'll, thing we'll see. about Jones uh, is he just guarantees you a little more starter, immediate starter value than some of those other second-tier guys. So I get why you'd move up to get him. But yeah, maybe if you kept that, like, is the difference between Josh Jones and Isaiah Wilson or Sadiq Charles enough to sacrifice being able to get one of those corners we talked about in segment two? Probably not for me. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, That makes sense. Uh, World of Sucks says, how does the resigning of Shelby affect the draft strategy? Brown and Kinlaw have to be out of the picture now, right? If the three wide receivers are gone, I'm thinking trade back is more in play than ever. Hey, we just talked about that. Um, actually, all right. of those questions. About both. Those I still things. think that... Yeah. <laughs> yep. I think that if Brown is there at 15 and you know the tackles and receivers are gone, then I think you take him. Um, I think that if the tackles and receivers are gone, then I would probably trade down. And if you wind up at a pick 25 or so and Kinlaw is there, then I'd be really tempted to take him. Um, the, the, the value definitely changes. You know, I don't, I don't think that Kinlaw's a yeah. 15th pick value for the Broncos anymore. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that sums again, it wouldn't impact my first pick, uh, because Shelby shouldn't swing things that drastically, but yeah, in general, it's going to mean you're not, you're not pressing to address that need with the top three rounds. You can wait till day three now. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Miller life 58, says, hey guys, thanks for the awesome mock draft coverage. You are getting me so excited for this draft. The more I look at it, the more I think we're going to try to trade up. We can't take the risk of missing out on one of these top guys when we have so much draft capital. I have my eye on us trading up two spots at the 49ers at 13. According to the trade value chart, if I'm doing it correctly, we could trade our first and one of our third round picks to move up there. This would guarantee we get Mm -hmm. one of those top guys. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Any other trade scenarios we should be keeping our eye on? Anything you want to add? Yeah, we talked about moving up to 13 um, in last week's pod and kind of how 9 to 13 seems to be the sweet spot to move up. Mm -hmm. If you did, you just gave a whole breakdown on the value of moving, trading up versus trading down um, and all that. But yeah, I think we we mostly addressed that. But yeah, I agree. Uh, 13 would be a, a really nice spot to move up because you only have to give up one third. Yep. Yep, and that's where I like the value. I mean, I would give up the first and a third for Jerry Judy. Where I give up a first and two thirds, that's when I start to have questions, I think. I don't know. Uh, Burley Joe says, Hey guys, what team in the last half of the first round is most likely to trade ahead of the Broncos to take a receiver? How likely is this? Do the Broncos need to move up to ensure they get one of the top three? Peace, fellas. Take care and stay well, DNVR community. Um, I think that there are so many receivers that you aren't going to see a team trade up. I mean, say the Packers at 30. I think that they definitely obviously want a receiver. 
I don't think that they would be willing to trade up all the way to say 13 to to take one. Um, you look at the Eagles at 21; yeah. they could jump up. Um, the Jags, Eagles I could see the them trying one. to jump up. They have needs. Yeah. Right. Yep, I think so. Right. The Jags are in a spot with all those picks to take best player available at nine or maybe trade down from nine and then trade back up in front of the Broncos. I don't know exactly how that works. The Eagles are the one who everyone is talking about because, A, they're always down to trade and a very aggressive front office, and they desperately need receivers. At the same time, they might be saving that trade draft capital for a trade like Yannick Ngakwe, which is something they're, they're supposed mm-hmm. to be involved in as well. So, um, yeah, that that's kind of the name to keep in mind, is the, the Eagles above, above all else. And, no, I don't think it should be enough to force the Broncos to move up, um, you know, unless it's at the right value. Yep. And when you look at the Eagles – I mean, they check all the boxes. They they have an obvious need for a receiver. They don't have too many other needs um, throughout the roster, so they probably aren't too worried about giving up picks. Plus, they have some extra picks. Um, and meanwhile, they're set up in such a good position, but they're only picking at number 21, so it isn't like they're going to have to spend too much like they would be if they're moving up from 30. Um, right. Oh, oh, wait. Let's see. Oh, there we go. Uh, yeah. Oh, wait for Prez. You got it. Um, Given the inability to meet with prospects due to COVID-19 and the inability for team personnel to physically meet at HQ leading up to the draft, this draft process is unlike any we've ever seen. Because of this, it introduces Uh enhanced risk with many prospects that may have been alleviated with medical exams, in-person meetings, and general draft prep that Uh is now compromised. As such, do you think it might be in Elway's best interest to try to turn as much draft capital as possible, especially the mid to late round picks, into capital in next year's draft? Offload that risk to someone else while adding capital in a draft that will allow for the proper preparation. What say you? Um, I say, knock on wood when you say next year we're going to have proper preparation for the draft. Um, I think that right. I I think that makes sense. Um, Again, like I said, I don't. I I really like a lot of these guys in the second and third round. I think there's going to be some good value just because you know the wide receiver position stacked. So. Maybe everybody's just constantly drafting receivers, or maybe some good receivers are going to be slipping. Um, when you make those trades, uh, and I think there will be trades if you are trained down, I think it would make a lot of sense to try to get picks in next year's draft. And that's something that they've done in the past is build for next year. You know, they already they already have a seventh round pick that they've added for next year. Um, obviously, some of these picks that they have this year are because of trades that they made last year. I think that they will continue to kind of push draft back. And you can find a way to turn a fifth this year into a fourth next year. And that's just mm-hmm. kind of good business when you have 10 picks. So I'd definitely be paying attention and maybe a little bit more extra attention to offers that include picks next year because of the circumstances. Yeah, I mean, it's always a good strategy to do. It's something the Patriots do. It's something Elway's done the last few years, and it's paid off in a big way. Um, At the same time, though, yeah, as you mentioned, next season is already going to be impacted by COVID-19. We already don't have spring games. Scouts aren't out there getting measurements from the spring and, you know, reports from coaches. This is already where you'd start to kind of get a leg up on next year's class. So next and, year's going to be at a least different see, deal as well. Yeah, and at least at this point, they're trying to see who's worth scouting next year. 
So that's now going to take the first two weeks mm-hmm. of the season to figure out who's even worth it. And, you know, I've right. been, you know, I talked to Rick George, the Buffs athletic director yesterday on a conference call. Last week, we talked to Carl Durrell, the Buffs head coach. And, you know, they've been saying, you know, we all want to play football. We think we're going to play football. But there is a very real possibility that there isn't a football season, which would make right. scouting next make year things- even tougher. Very tricky. Obviously. The other factor in this, this is a really talented class in some positions, some premium positions, especially like wide receiver, like offensive tackle, like even cornerback. And that doesn't happen every year. This is the best offensive tackle class I've ever scouted. I've been doing this since Eric Fisher was the first overall pick. So I think that was 2014 or something. Um, so it's been a minute. Maybe it was even 2012. Um And so, you know, don't get too caught up in the circumstances. You've already been able to do most of your work. We always say, like, at the end of pro days and the meetings, they're a small percentage of the overall evaluation. Okay, well, you're missing that small percentage. You maybe take a safer approach, but that doesn't mean just punt on this draft, which I know isn't what's being suggested. But, you know, so you got to mitigate risk, but also don't give up on potential opportunity to take take advantage of um you know some market inefficiencies with the circumstances yep and because like you said the needs line up really well this year we don't know what the the class next year will look like um and we don't know what the broncos needs will look like either um you know, they, they have some guys who will be free agents, you know, they could decide that that's the time to move on from, you know, Vaughn Miller, for example, um, Kareem Jackson is right. There's an $11 million club option. Todd Davis, um, you know, Mike Purcell will have to be paid. So, so who knows what exactly the Broncos will look like or that draft class. What you know now is that they'll have good value of positions that they need to add at least some depth to. Um, next question the Big Tabowski says, just thought I would give you a quick update on my absence. In short, we had COVID-19 and been recovering, but we're all good now. Oh, Glad boy. you're all good. That's scary stuff. Uh, been trying to keep up to date on podcasts, but still three or four behind. Not writing too much on it here, as Broncos Pod has already had a lengthy post on it. Anyhow, thanks for all your support and kind words, especially the count. Loved the with a Caucasian comment from a few weeks back. Baby smile. And uh, was a great question. Anyhow, on to drafty stuff. I've also come around to the Andre way of thinking and now have CeeDee Lamb ranked just ahead of Judy. I always thought Judy mm. had the lowest floor, and I still do, just, uh, but would now take CeeDee Lamb ahead of Judy. Both a fair bit ahead of Ruggs for me, though. Uh, don't want Ruggs at 15. Reach. Huh. For me, uh-huh. though, the biggest quandary remains. Big name tackle or big name receiver at 15 for Denver. We have options and that can only be a good thing. Same as the count, I am pleased the draft isn't moving. It is the highlight of my year, even over the Super Bowl. Does that make me weird? Keep up the great work and coverage. Love you guys, the big T. Uh, I think that does make you weird, but it also makes you more what? like us, which can't be that bad. Right? Oh, my God. I mean, gosh. come on. It's not even close The draft to over me. the Super it's... Bowl? Oh, no, it's not close yeah. to me either. Oh, my gosh. A million But that's why times. we do this. All of April is great. All of April yeah. is just like dreamy. Uh, I'm catching up on all this Exactly. Stuff. I'm just studying film never ending. I mean, it's just the greatest time. Um, it's the greatest time of the year for me, bar none, I know. over Super Bowl, anything else. So, yeah. Well, and I'm not sure I'm supposed to say this because I cover the buffs, but 
I totally agree. This is the best time of the year, like this March, April stretch, but it's not because of March madness. It's because of the draft. Plus you get like baseball back and playoff pushes with the abs and nuggets. Um, but yeah, no, the draft is incredible. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting take yeah. on rugs. I think that rugs at 15 is still probably a good value. I just think it'd probably be disappointing considering he's being considered on the same tier as these two other guys who I think are right top five talents to me. Yeah, top seven talents, exactly. Right, and really, you know, yeah, there is the quandary of offensive tackle or wide receiver at 15, but in the end of the day, play the board. There's probably only going to be one left. So just see who falls to you and take them. You know, don't overthink it. Yep. Take, let the board play the board as it falls. So, anyways, yep. Big T, awesome to have you back. Best to you and yours. Thank you so much for checking in. Um, yes. Yeah, man. Nothing but love. Really glad to have you back. AvsWatch22 says, hello, gang. Quick first four picks in a mock for you. Chad Reuter posted his 4.0 mock draft, and while the three of us know mocks truly are a wash until draft day, I have the most fun with DMVR mocks for sure, please don't take that as a shot at DMVR. He has the Broncos doing something I think the four of us would agree is smart. He has the Broncos trading with the Cardinals and adding their first two third-round picks to make it happen, and they select Henry Ruggs. Mm. At 46, okay, first of all, we both hate that, right? Yeah, trading two third round picks up to get eight. rugs. Yeah, yeah, too much. If you're and not if you're getting Judy, I would target. Exactly. Um, at forty six, yeah. Reuter has us taking Epinesa, and man, a four horseman um, group of Chubb, Miller, Casey, and Epinesa would be a lot of fun on D. I would love that. Um, Dude, truly. I, I, if you're losing two third round picks though, and you're sitting there with Henry Ruggs, I think you kind of have to get right. a tackle. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, Epinesa would be great. Um, that defensive line, I mean, you'd, I don't even think we have to say how great it would be. Um, at 95, he has us taking center Matt Hennessy like that. Um, haven't heard you guys talk about him a lot, but with McGovern gone, I'm open to it. We've talked a little bit about today and last mock pick at 118. Raider has us taking cornerback Michael Ojemudia, who, and this is me talking, not his comment. I really like him. Um, so I think yep. in terms of like Great trading fit. your two third round picks up, still don't love it, but everything else pr- fell pretty great. I guess you still don't have a tackle though. Um, you still only have one receiver. And again, that's what those other two third round picks would likely be. Um, yeah. is, yeah. you know, whatever receivers available and whatever tackles available. Okay, uh, first of all, I guess hit me, us, DNVR listeners, with a grade on all four of those picks. And second, if there's anything about these first four picks you'd tweak, what would they be? I remember that about three weeks ago, I felt confident we could get one of these top three receivers at 15. Today, though, I'm 100% sure that we have to move up into the top 10 or top 12. I think the Cardinals, Jags, or Browns should be prime teams the Broncos asked to swap first-round picks with and pay the additional pick price. I'll finally wrap up my comment with a question and a statement. Of the top-end receivers, who do you believe could potentially be the most injury-prone? I know that's insanely difficult to project, but based on frame and size, maybe you two have already thought about it before. Finally, I jumped the gun a couple weeks ago, but we're actually three weeks away from the draft. Love your work, guys. Thanks for the draft talk. Super, super, super excited to see it get underway soon. That's all good stuff. Um, Awesome. What a great comment. We pretty much... 
Yeah, it, very good comment. I think we graded all those picks all the way through. Not a fan of the Ruggs thing. Big fan of the Epinesa thing, yeah. though it is kind of a tough pick to make if you're giving up two third-round picks. Um, getting a right. starting center at 95, love that. Um, Michael Ojemudia, yeah, I think, is a good scheme guy. fit. Some upside yeah. Yeah, at 118. Um, yeah, so it's basically give it a C. A's and B's for the last three picks, but the first pick is a C, C minus, maybe even a D plus, because I really I think I, hate that trade. Yeah, I think it's a D minus F is what I'm talking about. Tra- I, giving up two yeah. third round picks it's, for Henry Ruggs. It's oh, too much. I, no, no, I'm with you. It's too much. Yeah, it's too much. Because your and other also, option again is the, the you could get looking for wide receivers. Huh. You're not looking at the cards. You're not looking at the Browns necessarily. The Cardinals just added DeAndre Hopkins. The Browns have both Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. I think it's more, you know, the Jags, Raiders, and uh, now the 49ers who are who are those teams that will make it difficult for a wide receiver to drop to Denver. Yep. Um, all right. I think that... And then oh, of the top, injury, prone, injury prone. It's, it's rugs, man. It's rugs. That, that I think it's so got to be. It's going to be runs. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. And again, like Jerry Judy's long ass legs kind of scare me, but uh, it hasn't sure. been a problem. It hasn't been a problem for any of those guys. I think it's gonna. It's pretty much random who that's going to end up being. But I don't know. Um, market snatch. Yep. There we go. Hey, draft okay. guys. Recently, Pat <laughs> McAfee had Kirk Herbstreet on his show. He made a point about the pandemic and its long-term implications for sport in general. It would be irresponsible to have sporting events until a vaccine is readily available. Let's assume this is the case and neither NFL nor the NCAA seasons happen this year at all. What does this mean for now juniors and seniors looking to move on to the NFL next year? Does the NFL amend its draft eligibility rules to accommodate for players missing out on a third season? Based on what you've seen from the 2021 class, who do you see fitting on this Broncos team? I know you're elbow deep in the upcoming 2020 class, and it feels like we're looking into the proverbial crystal ball. Personally, the thought of Cortland Sutton, Henry Ruggs, or whichever 2020 receiver we may end up with, and Warren Jackson together seems like a nightmare for opposing defenses and a dream scenario for Denver. Um, We don't know what exactly would happen, but we do know that the rule is... uh, you don't have to play three seasons. You just have to be three years out right. of college or out of high school. Sorry. Right. And so they would be available. Um, they'd be free to make that choice. Yeah. Like we said earlier, how do you scout those guys? We have no idea. Imagine if I mean, we were scouting all these That'd guys, be- but we didn't have this whole year to watch this whole se- this whole 2019 season. You know, Austin yeah, Jackson had VR. his rise. Antoine Winfield right. just out of nowhere is a first round pick. So many of these guys. Well, and like LaVisca Chenault would go top five. Seventh, yeah. Would be the top <laughs> quarterback taken. Um, Jeffrey Okuda wouldn't be this high. Uh, you know, it would change a lot of stuff. It yeah. would be based off of our preseason rankings. So, it, yep. yeah, I mean, that would make for a really, really interesting thing. I, it wouldn't impact the college kids as much. I mean, what they've done is, what they'd be evaluated on. But I would wonder, you know, in the NFL, how would you treat guys on expiring contracts? Do those contracts just get, you know, kicked back? What needs would the Broncos have? You basically, would it just mean you've added two draft classes without losing a single free agent? (laughs) 
like everyone's yep. just still under contract, that would be really interesting to double up because mm-hmm. we've talked about how hard would it be to have 12 rookies. What if that was 20 rookies that you've drafted in back-to-back drafts and haven't played a season? That'd be really interesting. Um, what am I looking in the crystal ball for? What position here? Um, think the Bron- oh, based on what you've seen from 2020, what do you see fitting the Broncos team? Um, yeah, so Warren Jackson would be nice. It's a stacked wide receiver class um, from Jamar Chase Again. to Jalen Waddle. Yep. Um, the Devontae Justin Smith. Ross at Clemson, Devontae Smith, uh, the Oklahoma State kid, uh, Tillon Wallace is there. Still a really good wide receiver class. Um, it's still some really good quarterbacks in Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. The best offensive line. I like that guy from Baylor, too. Um, I think yep, I told you, you that Charlie Brewer guy. I was watching some right. Mims. I really like that guy. But again, right. he wouldn't Rondell get drafted Moore. if there was no season. Right, right. Yeah, he doesn't get a chance um, to play himself in. Maybe Sam Ellinger is in that mix. Travis Etienne, yeah. Sean Wade, the the other corner from Ohio State, who stayed in school, Najee would Harris. be really intriguing. Yep, right. Maybe they go back to to running back. And as we've said before, the most talented um, offensive tackle I've probably ever studied. So lots, lots to yep. lots to get excited about in the 2021 class, even if it was just based on what we've seen in 2018 and 19. Yep. Um, basically it'd just be chaos and there's a bunch of different routes the NFL could go. Um, and none of it sounds good. Uh, Bristol Bronco yeah. fan says, Hey guys, thanks for your detailed answer to my comment last week. I really learned from your expertise. Who would be the best wide receiver that you have ever watched college film on? And how do they compare to CD, Judy, and Ruggs? Also, why are you guys so high on CD, whereas the Broncos pies pod guys are higher on Judy? Interesting. Thanks, boys, and would love to get more pods from you guys. Huh. Okay, let's do more pods, Kade Ray. Yep, that's okay. the plan. Yeah. Um, um, I, I think this is a better question for you. Who would be the best wide receiver that you've ever watched college film on? Um, I was super, super high on Sammy Watkins and Mike mm-hmm. Evans was right behind him there. That was a very kind of CD Judy type deal, though. I think I had Watkins ranked just slightly ahead, you know, um, cause he was that much of a phenom at Clemson. Obviously that hasn't worked out. So, uh, mm-hmm. Sammy would be the highest ranked guy I've ever had and CD Judy would be right in that mix with where I have Mike Evans ranked now and where I had Amari Cooper ranked um, in his class. That would kind of be my top five guys. Okay. Um, the Broncos pod guys are higher on Judy. Um, I actually think these two are really similar players in a lot of ways. Um, which hairs, the more right? I watch... Exactly, exactly. And you really could put one above the other. CD just has this freak athleticism. And Jerry Judy, his like freak skill is just his feet. Like They're so quick and his legs are so long, he can right. just stop on a dime right. and cut whenever he wants. And it's, it's, it's almost, again, like comparing it to Visca because that's a guy I spent a lot of time watching. It's that Visca 
hits a guy in the face three times and the fourth time the guy's like oh no i'm not gonna charge in and so visca hits him with some footwork and puts him on his back without touching him like jerry judy does the same things where he just makes the defense so hesitant because he has all those cuts because he's beating him on the cuts and when they're hesitant he can just run right by him cd lamb like is that same way he has those feet maybe not jerry judy feet but he makes up for it with the physical dominance you know, he can make those Cortland Sutton jump ball type plays that I'm not so confident Jerry Judy can make. Um, and that's why he just edges him out, even though it is splitting hairs, because you could like the footwork of Jerry Judy enough more that you would take him. Right. And as I said, sense? for me, uh, where they really differentiate themselves is see what, what I found in evaluating wide receivers is a skill that really translates is being able to consistently make those high end high level of difficulty catches and that's where cd lamb excels and is a freak and judy mm-hmm. i see some concentration drops and they don't see a ton of high-end level of difficulty catches so he's really going to have to win off that speed and footwork and have his lower half working so that's where i think i think lamb has a little more margin of error to reach his peak while Judy really has to refine and be perfect in everything he does to reach his personal ceiling. So there you go. And Hank, we have two more questions left and I've got four minutes, man. So maybe one we say for the second pod this week, but yeah, we're uh, clocks ticking. Let's go fast. Hey, I think I just missed the cutoff for the last pod, so we're posting here. This is Ubeni Lava. Howdy, boys. I hope quarantine is yep. suiting you guys well. Coming into the draft now, I feel like we need two of each wide receivers, O-line and D-line. I've seen a lot of analysts identify safety and off-ball linebacker as needs as well, but I don't agree with that assessment. Fangio has shown that he's fine with the backers we have by not pursuing any free agents, and I think that Marshall will slide into Will Park's role seamlessly. Uh, I've been watching the last five Broncos games on Game Pass a lot during quarantine, and Marshall looked really good filling in for Jackson those last two games. Do you think safety or backer is a need? Also, what's your ideal pairing of an early round pick paired with a day three wide receiver offensive line or day three pick at wide receiver offensive line defensive line? Mine would be Judy early pick and Gandy Golden day three pick at receiver, Cushionberry the third and Ben Barch at O line, Devon Hamilton, James Lynch at D line. We haven't talked about James Lynch much. Uh, also, Dre loving these mm-hmm. film rooms. They alone are worth the price of a subscription, and I can't wait to see the ones you'll be putting together for the rookie crop. Is one coming for our new punter? Only half kidding. Sorry for the long one, gents. Hope you're doing well. Okay, quick day one, day three pairing at receiver, O line, and D line. I'll, yeah, um, I'll go CD Lamb Van Jefferson. I would love that. Okay. Um Okay. O-line. Um I guess if we're taking those two, then maybe you hope um I think Ben Barch is a good pick. Let's say like uh Prince Take of Wanagu um and we'll go a little bit later and take um maybe a Matt Hennessy. Let's go Biotish. I think you can get that done. Then defensive line, Devon Hamilton, I think does something different than your your guys that you know you trust um and you can throw uh like a straw bridge in there with him nice nice i um i would go cd lamb man kj i just can't justify as a day three Mm, Hmm. i'll go cd lamb and antonio gibson though again that might not be possible either uh, for the O-line, I like what you did. I will go Ezra Cleveland, Tyler Biadash. Though, again, that might be that might be reaching. I like what you did with Strobridge. 
Uh, my early round guy would be Justin Madbuki. And so okay. there with Strowbridge. Yeah, Lynch, very productive at Baylor, but man, I put on the tape. I just don't like what I see. But And yes, I think backers in need. We, we talked about that early. Sorry, sorry to be rushing through this, Ooh, Benny. Oh, it's all, I mean, all they'll say is all right. Yeah, and I did just realize that I tried to get six guys I think the Broncos could get with all those picks. Um, throw like Andrew Thomas in there instead of uh, take a Wanagu and throw like a Ross Blacklock right. in there instead of Devon Hamilton. Or maybe you could get Devon Hamilton with him. I don't know. Good question. Yeah. Benny Lava has one more question, and we'll get to that when we record one Sunday, I think, will be the next time we talk to all you guys. Yeah, perfect. Um, we did it, Dre. You still have a we minute to spare. Beautiful. What do you want to talk about? Amazing. <laughs> I want to thank our great <laughs> listeners for all their participation and amazing questions. And I want to thank you, Hankster, for uh, for getting this all done, man. Uh, it's really a joy. Can't wait to do the pod on Sunday when we'll have even more topics. And uh, can't wait to unveil some content that's coming to you next week draft related because now it's really getting hot and heavy and nothing but uh great draft content from here until the draft in the book yep talking late round picks five six seven on sunday hopefully you guys will be back with some questions too we'll see you then um stay safe